Hello and welcome to another episode of The Stew with JT Brew. It is time for our edition of NHL Around the Ice with JT and Toast. Stick with us. We've got all everything coming right to you and you're in the stew. Uh, you up on trades and wire moves. You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of the leaderboard. Quite obviously not a scrub. So start an institute. Make evaluations like a commissioner do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. Update your roster and pick and choose when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sipping through sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones through different groups. Universities, institutes, down to homies who click in groups. I introduce you did the stupid JT proof. Hello, welcome to Wednesday night hockey talk here. On the stew with JT Brew. Toast and I are bringing you a special show today. We're going to pause our five on three, two man advantage segment. Going to go a little something special today. Usually we bring that to you every week on Wednesday. We'll bring it back next week where we're going to do something we like to call Toast Takes One Timers for this week as we're going to hit a, a quick things and, and get back to it. If you'd like to listen to us, please go on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, give us any questions you got. Follow me on the X at JT Orange Toast, where they can find you on the X. Yeah, at Toast Clark. And uh, again, I look for those uh, Toast Takes. Uh, about every single day, JT, putting out there some gambling bets. Uh, it's been about 50-50 so far this year, but uh, I encourage everybody to take a look. Yeah, we always tell you on the gaming bets, feel free to split those things up, take them individually. A lot of times we like to parlay them. We're a big fan of the parlays. We've been oh, we've been all over three for four or five or six on a lot of these lately. But feel free to go, you know, take your two favorite, you know, go one for one, any of that stuff. But we're gonna hit right into it. This is Toast Takes One Timers Toast, JT Miller, Vancouver Canucks. What are you thinking? Uh, Vancouver, JT. So we're going to go quick in this segment. I really, really like this. Uh, Vancouver is off to a great start, uh, man. After having so many struggles last year, they're on track this year. They're looking great. Uh, JT Miller, he's a hidden gem. You got Elias Pedersen, who's really the stud out there. And you got Brock Besser. You got uh, Quinn Hughes. But really, people forget about Miller. Miller is a bangers league dream. And I talk about him in the same breath. I talk about uh, Brady Kachuk. He scored in every game but two this year. Multi-point games and eight out of 15. The guy is tearing it up. Nine goals and 14 assists. The guy is pacing for 125 points. Last year, the last two seasons, 99 points, 82 points respectively. The shooting percentage is way up. So, hey, enjoy this white class. It's going to regress. Um, and here's what I love, JT. Pacing for 185 hits. Steve Dietz in our home league. He took him as a first-round keeper. I was thinking, you know what, Dietz? I think that's a little risky. It's paying off big for him so far. Yeah, I agree. I, that, that was one of the ones we talked about. We're like, oh, man, really? First-round keeper? Because a lot of times in our league, uh, just to remind people, in our home league, we do a, a three-man keeper, but you get to keep them in the round you drafted them in, and then they move up two rounds every year after that. So a lot of times, unless you have like, an absolute stud, a lot of times we don't like to keep first-round keepers because you want to go for that value. He stuck with them, and it's paying off. I, I tell you what. Probably one of the most impressive teams this year for me is Vancouver. After they were so disappointing the last couple seasons, I mean, we just saw all that talent on that roster, and we were just waiting for them to actually do something, and they just couldn't get it together. I mean, all the talent, all the players they had, just kept seeing them lose time and time again. The defense was bad. The goaltending was, like, decent. 
man, they look like a totally different team. Them and Edmonton to me are like inverse. And we'll talk about Edmonton a little bit later, but they've like, they basically traded right. places, man. Vancouver is, is one of the better teams out West. I've been really impressed with the way they've come out to start this season. Jumping on Sam Reinhardt, Florida Panthers go. Uh, so uh, Steve Dietz again, um, you know, Steve, this is a reason why, and we're going to talk a little bit of our home league JT. So I'll keep mentioning people in our home league because uh, get a little shout out to them, but uh, that's why you're four and one in our league selected in the 10th round. What value. Okay. But Hey, Dietz, you didn't hold on to him. You end up giving up to John Martini. Martini picked him up on the waiver wire. I had an option to pick up Sam Reinhardt or actually uh, uh, Rodriguez for Florida. Rodriguez has been pretty darn good. I passed on Reinhardt, and you know what? Um, I'm regretting that. Uh, I, Steve Dietz, you'd like to have that one back. Huge time on ice for Sam Reinhardt. 21 minutes a game. All right, so... I don't know if that can keep up, but nevertheless, just write, hey, write him to the wheels fall off. I don't really care. They probably don't care at this point. I mean, he's scoring in bunches. 14 games this year, JT, 11 goals, 10 assists for 21 points, 47 shots on goal, shooting at 24%. 24% not going to last, all right? That's 10% over his career average. Regression is actually coming. His last two seasons, he's had 82 points. 67 points respectively. He's pacing well over for 100 points this year. The question will be with Reinhardt right now, do you sell high, all right, or do you just go ahead and ride? It all depends on how your team is. If your team's actually top to bottom real, real good, uh, you don't really have many holes, there is no reason to shop uh, to shop them. But if you need a little boost, your team's a little underperforming well, I would go ahead and consider selling a high on Sam Reinhardt. Go ahead and get some guys that are maybe underperforming just slightly that are drafted well ahead and go ahead and pounce there and uh, use him as a trade ship. And man, Sam Reinhardt's really, really got it going in Florida. Yeah, for me, this is something that has burned me the last couple of years in our home league is I go for that early win. I'm trying to get a couple extra games played on the waiver wire and I end up dropping a guy that someone else picks up and I can never get him back. It burned me last year with Lucas Raymond. I was like, I dropped him week one, and then he went on a tear after I dropped him. I could never get him back. So that's all. That's always one of those tough things early season toast is do you go for those extra plays, make sure you try to get that win, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, and you drop guys you really like that you don't know if they're going to hit or not, or do you go for the extra plays? It works out both ways sometimes, but it's burned me. Uh, so I've been really cautious on the wave wire the first couple of weeks here. Um, just not want, I don't want to make any play where I'm dropping a guy just to get an extra play, and I'm dropping a guy I really like. So that's something you always got to think about uh, early season as well. Yeah, and JT, you got a you got a three and two start for your team right now in our home league, and uh, so I, I would uh, stress that philosophy that JT ends up uh, deploying there for all those uh, new managers out there. Be patient. Uh, we we're uh, we're five weeks in. We're in a week six. Uh, so be patient with these guys. Don't actually drop Sam Reinhart in the first or second week. Yep, number three, Nico Kucherov, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. Um. JT, uh, so during our home league, could not believe Kucherov fell to you in the first round. Uh, you had the third um, or fourth um, overall pick. Um, and, and let me explain to listeners, in our league, we keep three players as 10-team league. So 30 players are off the board. It's where you actually drafted them. So it's not necessarily the best 30 players. But nevertheless, to have 
Kucherov to be able to get it pick number, let's say, 34. I was shocked when JT was able to actually get him. He's the hottest player in hockey right now next to another guy we're getting ready to talk about here soon. The guy is on a crazy pace. I mean, crazy. 150-point pace, 11 goals, 12 assists, do 15 games. Um, Shooting his career average. How scary is that? Over 21 minutes a night, which is up two minutes from two years ago. So the last two years, he's been a minute more, a minute more. But here's what I love about Kucherov. The guy is shooting like he's never shot before, taking the puck, putting it on net at a very, very high rate. Um, Stamkos is the guy that's really actually kind of cooled off and has not really been shooting the puck as much. Kucherov stepped in his place. So uh, Nikita Kucherov owners, um, and especially guys that got him in redraft leagues, especially like JT uh, as a steal. Congratulations to you. Yeah, I'm pumped. He has been super aggressive this year. I, I've loved it. it. It seemed like Stamkos, you know, he seems like he's pacing himself a little bit this year. Knows it's going to be a long season, going to be there. But it, it seems like he's really kind of passed it to Kucherov to be that kind of main guy that pushes the offense. And I'm absolutely loving it. When he got to me, I, I told you I, at the draft, I was like, I didn't even think about taking him because I didn't even think he was, there was no way he was going to get to me. I was like looking at like between two or three other guys, like who am I going to pull the trigger on? And then he got there. I was like, Oh my God, I got to take him. I'm like, I'm like running to the podium. Like give me a Kucherov. It it, it was great, man. So I'm super pumped to have him on the team. I hope he keeps, keeps it up. This is another one of my guys. I've been on him for years. Toast, you know me leagues were in together. I'm like, we either draft him or I'm like, how can we trade for him? I love this guy. I I have an affinity for Swedish hockey players. I love Team Sweden hockey. Uh, just a big fan of them growing up. And I love this guy, William, uh, William Nylander, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so Nylander is very, very interesting. He's in a contract year. And man, is he a producing. He's making it very difficult on Toronto to be able to actually know whether or not they can keep him or not. I don't think he's going to stay in Toronto. JT and the reason why they got Tavares, they got Matthews, they got Marner. All those guys are making $10 million plus. I don't know how they would actually fit a fourth guy in there of $10 million. And at the end, I want to talk about at the very end of this uh, uh, segment, I want to talk about Patrick Kane because there's been some rumors about Kane. He visited Toronto yesterday, uh, took a visit there. And I'm like, you're thinking, there's no way he's going to Toronto. How are they in, in the world end up making that work with the cap? There's no way. There's no way. And so I just see Nylander moving on next year. Uh, I'd love to see him actually be in a Hawk sweater. That would be amazing. But uh, right now, so far, 10 goals, 12 assists, 15 games. How about that for a contract year? His ADP was around 30. Man, think about that, 30. He's a top six or seven player in all formats this year. Martini took him in our home league in the third round after about 30 players were kept, as I was mentioning before. Great value. I know that ticked you off, JT. I would do. I was begging. He got back to me and he didn't. I was like, I almost took him in the second round. And it was, I was between him and Deborah Kent. I was like, I thought he might get back to me. And so I did, I didn't do it and he didn't get to me. And I was like, Oh, I was so mad. I was hoping he would get there, but yeah, he's been fire. We've got him in a couple other leagues. Uh, I think he, dude, he's playing for that monster contract. I think he's going to end up going somewhere and being, a number one, number two overall player for a team next year. I could totally see a team with a lot of cap space. Someone like the Blackhawks, man, put him next on a line with Bedard. Oh, oh, that would be so sweet, man. It would be great. I would love it. 
JT, uh, the Hawks would be a great team for him to go to with a line mate like Bedard. We are, we are, uh, we, the, the Blackhawks, that's my team nevertheless, and you guys can all see, but, you know, right here, all right. But the most money to give, he is going to command 11 to $12 million a year. Toronto cannot afford that. They're not going to be able to afford that. I'm not really sure how they would even think about being able to afford that. The Hawks are struggling to make the cap floor, all right? And I think that with Bedard, and we'll talk about Bedard here in a bit, they're speeding up this, this rebuild. Instead of being a five-year deal, it could be a three-year deal. And Nylander would just probably love to play next to a guy like that. Um, and again, we've got money to give, long contract to give. That's a guy you actually want. So it'll be very interesting in off to see what Nylander does. Yeah, I would not expect him to stay with Toronto. There's no way he's going to give them like a home town discount. That he ain't shouldn't. happening. He's going to he he's going to take the money, and so it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. And if he keeps playing like he is, he's going to demand big time money. Number five on our list, Connor Kyle Connor, Winnipeg, one of my guys. He's been killing it for me as well. Go. So uh, JT. Kucherov, I mentioned, is the hottest player in NHL. If there was anybody to challenge him on that, it's Kyle Connor, And he's really done it in the last 7 to 10 days. This guy's on fire. Again, another one of your guys, all right? So uh, your, your, your team's great. Um, I, I really like to flip-flop teams with you. Um, you nailed the draft this year. Your team's going to be there at the end. You're going to be one of the teams to beat in our home league. 13 goals as of yesterday. Seven assists. And that's in 15 games played. But here's the best of it. Drafted and around an ADP of 40. This guy's scoring goals like a madman. I tell you what, however, he does not really provide many peripherals. It doesn't make a really a big difference. All right. So in scoring leagues, he's awesome. Banger leagues, it ebbs and flows. He's a guy that scores in bunches, whatnot. Um, but I tell you, man, uh, Kyle Connor has had himself the last week and a half. So JT, I believe that was a third round tag for you. That's living up to the value. Yeah, so this was my last year to keep him. I've kept him. I think this is my third straight year. I got him really late a couple years ago in our home league. I've kind of kept him every year. We talked about it. I had some really good value picks in like the 15th, 16th, 17th round. I ended up making trades with those guys to get some more draft picks. And I was like, I just couldn't in my right mind throw Connor back as a third rounder. Now, next year, He'll move up to a first, so I I'll, I won't keep him next year. But I thought like this was the last year, especially with the way the draft went, with me being near the front. He was going to be a late, late third rounder, like at the very end of the third round. So that's why I thought it was worth the value. And yeah, he is this week six here. He is leading my team to start off this week. He's got off me to a great start. And I want to remind people, like Toe said, he's like, "Hey, JT, you're having a great year." I'm three and two, and people are like, three and two, great year." Our home league is super competitive. I mean, yeah. it's always, I mean, it's tight, tight. We're always within, I mean, you second to second to eighth could be two games difference by the end of the year. We it's it, always, it is right now. It's always super competitive. Yeah. Always super competitive. So I'm really ho- happy with the production so far. My points are pretty high. So I'm like right there in the mix. I think I'm tied for second right now over on the league. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's a great start. And like I said, I, I've gotten off to really slow starts the last couple of years, and I've had to try to race to make the playoffs at the end. And I, this is one of the first years where I, I feel like my guys are coming wrong right at the beginning, and I'm not having to play catch up. So hopefully they keep it going. 
Yeah, and JT, we we talk about we're going to talk about some lines later on, like some uh, some team lines that were either a like love the way they're performing or b they're underperforming. This there's there's three solid guys that every single time you see a game, they're showing up on a score sheet and they're scoring together, and that's Connor, that's Shifley, and that's Morrissey, the defenseman. I mean, those guys right now are just feeding off one another. Every single time you see them score a goal or together, you're able to stack those. So people just actually stack the Winnipeg players like Shifley, Connor, and Morrissey. Good for you, man. You guys are really reaping the benefits. Number six on our list, Chris Kreider, New York Rangers. Do I have to pick every single player on your team? Because that's what's happening well, right now, well, man. This segment, I mean, and I didn't yeah. have anything to do with you pick the yeah. players for this segment yeah. as toast takes one timers. I was pumped when I looked at it. I was like, yeah, these are all my guys. I mean, it's but but yeah, I mean, again, you nailed the draft this year. Uh, yeah, 14 points in 14 games, 10 goals. So Kreider overperformed two years ago. He had 52 goals two years ago. My man, I mean, he was just right place, right time, had an amazing season. Last year, major regression. I think that cut mm-hmm. in half. He was close to 30 goals. So we knew regression was coming, and this year is no different. He's shooting a crazy 27%. The regression is actually coming, but man. You should expect a ton of regression. The reason why, he's playing with line one with Zibanejad. Power play one, the deployment's actually outstanding. He's in a great spot to keep uh, you know, going at this rate all year, barring injuries, right? And I don't really think Kreider's the guy who's actually had any injuries. You just hope his line may still have enough energies or injuries. But the Rangers are scoring a ton this year. Um, so Kreider, another guy that could be a sell-high target. Again, a two-for-one. Not saying you should go out and sell Chris Kreider, all right? Not saying that at all. But in the event your team needs a kickstart, Kreider's maybe one of your two or three players that are really tearing it up, and you need some depth, sell Chris Kreider right now. Yeah, for me, it was all the value. So he was drafted really high last year because of the huge season before, the huge regression year, and he dropped big time in our draft. People are kind of avoiding him. He wasn't a sexy player. He had a down year. You're like, hey, maybe it's over. So I was pumped because I had him on my team the year before, and I think I got him, I think it was six or seven rounds earlier. So I was pumped that I got him so late this year. It was He fell to me. It just was like a good spot. I thought the value was there, and I'm pumped to see him have a nice good bounce back so far to start this year. Yeah, you want to know where you took him at, JT? Do you remember? Yeah, I can't remember. I know it Tenth was round. I know it was way later. What was it? Tenth round. Tenth round. As I say, I, I knew it was value because I, I want to say I took him in like I want to say it was like the sixth, fifth or sixth round the year before. And then he just did that not play well and he killed me. And then like I again I was I wasn't super high on him. I mean, you know, he killed me last year, but then I was like, I was like, man, this is good value. We got to that double digit rounds. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm going to take a shot on him. Uh, because again, I'm not looking for top end numbers with my 10th round guy. So if he is just solid, then I'm good with it. You know, those, when you take those guys early and they bomb, those are the guys that kill you. Those are the guys that absolutely murder you in leagues when you're top five pick and they just don't produce where you're expecting them. Those are the guys that absolutely kill you. So I, yeah, I was pumped where I got him and I'm, I'm happy with the production he's given me so far. Uh, number seven on our list, uh, Benji Malkin, Pittsburgh penguins. They, as a team, not what we're used to seeing out of them. What are you thinking about Malkin so far? So Pittsburgh in general is picking it up a little bit. They had a rough start to the season. Uh, they're a little bit better, but man, Think about Malkin. 
uh, at his age, I want to say he's 35, 36. Uh, I'm yeah, guessing. He's got to be mid-30s. He's I old. Gotta, I'd have to look it up. He's old. Um, JT, the first thing that comes to everybody's mind with Malkin every single year, and the reason why he falls in drafts is because his health, right? He's always mm-hmm. injured. But guess what? Last year, 82 games played, played every single game. JT, you want to venture to guess how many games he's played this year? I think he's played every game, right? I don't know every if game. he's missing time. Yeah, I was going to say, game. I thought he, he seemed healthy to me this year. Hey, keys to success, health with Malkin. When he's out there, the guy produces. He's a point-per-game player. That's never going to change. He's too talented. So, I, I mean, nobody would have predicted the amount of games he's played in the last year and month, whatever, he hasn't missed a game. Nobody would have predicted that given the past four or five seasons where he's been injured almost constantly. What I like right now is the fact that his time on ice is somewhere around 18 minutes a game. That's comparable to the previous three seasons. All right. So again, they're managing him well. They're not playing 20 minutes a game. They're not actually trying to, um, you know, break him down because again, he can be broken down pretty darn easy. So, I wouldn't say this is a sell-high candidate, all right? And the reason being is the fact that everybody just assumes Malkin's an injured player. So you're not going to get the best value. Ride this the entire year if you can, just like you mm-hmm. did the last year. Jensen selected Malkin in the sixth round this year. After 30 players were actually off the board, after 50 players, that's around ADP of 90. Think about that value. ADP of 90, man. Wow. Mal- I mean, so for a guy that plays... On a power play with Crosby, who's having an awesome year, by the way. Awesome year. I mean, Crosby is a generational talent. We talk about him in the same breath as uh, Matthews, uh, as McDavid. Crosby is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Crosby may end up going down as the best player of the 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. I mean, he's that darn good. Malkin's been there with him every step of the way. But an ADP of 90, everybody's kicking themselves in now. So you know what? Why did I think he'd be injured? He played all in ADP last year, and he's just tearing it up this year. Yeah, that's an example of one of those like, few years in a row when people just kind of get in their mind that he's going to be hurt, and then he's not. And I just looked it up. Of course, right next to his name, it says injured. And I was like, whoa, he's hurt? Illness. He's got an illness, illness right now, so he's not <laughs> hurt. So I look it up. You want to take a gander at what year he was drafted. I know I'm just putting you on a spot because I wanted to look up his age to tell everybody because we were close. We were close on the age. I'm going to guess he was drafted in 2003. Two, three. Right there. 2004. First ah, round, okay. second overall pick. First round, second overall pick in 2004. He's 37 years old. So we were right there with him. It's, I mean, the fact that he 36, 37 years old playing the entire season, a guy like him, I mean, fantastic. And again, like I said, this was a top five pick every year for years, top five, top 10 pick yeah. in every yes. league. And you're still getting production out of them. But, you know, you, you're again, you're riding that lucky wave of the guy's a little bit older. He's had a couple injury played years. And sometimes people just remember those years, especially if you had him. You had him when he was hurt. You're like, oh, guy's always hurt doesn't mean he always is but you just remember him being hurt because he was on your team when he was hurt so yeah just unbelievable value for him this year another another thing about malkin jt is that um if you look at pittsburgh they're the oldest team in the league next to washington all right they're, they're pretty darn old I, I assume washington's old 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 in the league so this isn't going to last forever 
All right, he may end up being wanting to be a pen for life, but if he ends up wanting to play another three, four years, and <laughs> he can't be like Yarmir Yager, you know, another pen they're going to end up playing. He's still in the KHL, I think. I don't know. He's he's out there. He's trying to play still, but I think Malkin's got a few years left in him. But I don't know if Pittsburgh will actually want to actually have him there for a few years left. What an amazing guy to have, and on a young team, a rebuilding team. And to put him on a top line, even if you're going to get 50 or 60 games out of him, to show young players and a young superstar the way, you know. So you end up, you know, have Columbus. You got teams like Chicago. Um, you, I mean, I'm not going to put him on San Jose, right? He's not going to San Jose. No. <laughs> uh, but but you 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 got you know even Leo Carlson in Anaheim. So put him with young superstar players, actually up and coming. He could be super valuable. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what Malkin ends up doing in the next few years because Pittsburgh is not going to want to keep that core together. At some point, they got a new GM with Kyle uh, Dubois, um, and um, they're they're going to have to blow this up a little bit, get a little bit younger, break it down. And I would think that Malkin would be a piece that they would want to go ahead and move on from. I'm just speculating, but uh, it would be very similar to what uh, Taylor Hall was actually doing with Connor Bedard right now. And Hall is not nearly as old as Malkin, but nevertheless, that veteran leadership to be, to show the, the young guy the ropes, show him the way. Uh, so it'll let's just see what happens with Malkin and the Pens here in the next year or two. Number eight on our Toast Takes one-timers, William Carlson. This is Vegas. insane. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah. Um, so Vegas was, uh, JT Vegas, uh, came in the league as a expansion team in 2017, 2018. Uh, they actually went to the cup finals that year. Amazing. I mean, think about that. Went to the cup finals as an expansion team and in the big four sports. How often does that actually happen? I don't know. Yeah. That, you guys do it's that. absolutely. It's, I mean, that's crazy. If uh, I also will shout out why I'm thinking about it. If you've never watched the documentary, on the inaugural season for the uh, Las Vegas Black, uh, Gold, Gold Knights. Check it out. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now, but mm. go check that thing out. I can't think of what the name of it is, but just look uh, Vegas Knights. Like it is a really good documentary on the, on the initial season uh, being in Vegas. Really cool. I probably watched it three or four months ago. I just kind of came across it searching uh, really good. So if, it's a good high. If you're just a hockey fan, it's just a good one to check out for sure. Yeah. Their, uh, their front office leadership has got to be the best in the league considering 2017, 2018 and the success they've had and winning the cup last year. And I think they've made the playoffs every single year. They're existing except one. Um, and so William Carlson's a big part of that. Uh, last year he had an amazing playoff run getting into the cup. It was so funny um, because during their parade, the guy was out of control. His mom had to get up on the stage and like take him off the stage because she was embarrassed about what he was going to say. He didn't care. He didn't give a shit. So uh, 43 <laughs> goals back in 2017, 2018. He's shooting at that percentage right now. That year, JT shot 24%. This year he's shooting 29 Nice. The last two years before this, he shot 8%. So regression's coming. This is a guy with eight goals, 10 assists, 16 games played. Sell him now. All right? Sell him now because this is not going to continue. He plays on the third line. I don't even know if he gets top power play. I don't think he does. 
most 10 team formats, he went undrafted this past year. All right. So you need to, the, the time now is now to pounce. This is not a guy that's going to keep this up. All right. He does not shoot the puck at a high percent or shoot the puck at a high percentage. He does not shoot the puck on goal a lot. Get rid of him off your team. <laughs> so um, uh, recently I traded William Carlson. Um, I am in a uh, keeping Carlson fantasy hockey podcast league. Probably the most competitive we ever played in. I'm in four leagues. I'm amazing in three. I am dog crap in that league because mm-hmm. guys get up every Monday morning at 2 a.m. They set alarms to actually make pickups. JT, you know how I am at pickups, and I'm actually thorough. I can't keep up with these guys. It's ridiculous. So, But I traded Carlson, and I got Matt Zuccarello for him. Zuccarello is a way better player than Carlson in fantasy. Way better. Not even actually close, but I was able to actually get Zuccarello for him and Carlson. Uh, right now, if you can, sell this guy. Regression's coming, and it's coming in a big way. But, again, if your team is top-heavy and you're actually just tearing it up this year and you are solid from top to bottom, ride it. Ride it right now. Yeah, next on our list, a guy that is uh, – it's, it's been an interesting season here early going. Connor McDavid, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Edmonton's been a little bit of a freaking mess so far. Uh, this is a guy we just bet over points, over shots all day long, every day last year until they basically made it impossible for you to bet on him without <laughs> taking a huge loss as far as the, as the, the juice. So where are we at with Connor McDavid at this point? I'm not sure he's healthy. Uh, so he uh, was injured. I'd say maybe in the second week of the season is probably an injury that should have kept him out a couple weeks. He ended up missing two games, a matter of like maybe five or six days total. He rushed back because he wanted to be in, I assume, the outdoor game that Mm -hmm. they, you know, there's a few outdoor games throughout the regular season for the NHL. And really, he needed to sit longer. You can tell when he's out there, he's not nearly as fast, nearly as deceptive, not moving side to side as well as he does. It's still better than the the top 2% of the entire league. That's how great he is. He did have a nice a nice game versus the Islanders on Monday in a 5-1 win. I think he either had two or three points. Can't remember, but nevertheless, scored a goal. I know he at least had an assist. But Edmonton fired their coach. Um, they ended up hiring McDavid's AHL coach. So McDavid, or OHL coach, sorry. McDavid played the OHL when he first got drafted, or maybe before he got drafted, sorry, for a year. And they hired him specifically. Now, from what I'm actually gathering on Twitter, it wasn't anything specific about that. They said that was coincidental. I guess the uh, the GM is is pretty tight with this coach. So, nevertheless, that was the uh, the uh, the choice. But they did win their first game with them. They looked a little bit more like Edmonton normally does. Tonight, they're playing the Kraken. It's 0-0, and we're just entering into the second period. But I would assume that Edmonton's going to turn it around. Um, uh, from what I uh, gather, JT, by listening to her podcast, digging into numbers a little bit, I'm not going to throw like all these geek numbers at everybody. They are playing better than the results from an offensive yeah. per, uh, standpoint. Uh, their expected goals are way higher. Their five on five percentages are, are, are way higher than they actually got the results. So better days are coming from, uh, from McDavid and Edmonton. 
Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm in a couple discords, and I have uh, one of my fancy football discords. We've got a, a bunch of hockey guys in there as well, and a couple big time Edmonton Oilers fans, and they said the exact same thing. They said McDavid rushed back to play in the outdoor game. He probably should have sat a week or two longer. They said everybody was talking about it, him trying to get back, and they said the same thing. He just doesn't look the same. He's not as explosive, and he definitely uh, is playing playing like he he looks like he's playing hurt. And we've we've all seen that. We've seen players that are fighting through and gutting through, and you you got to appreciate gutting through. But it's too early in the season for that. You got to gut through in yeah. the playoffs. Early in the season, you got to get right because then you get those you know nagging injuries that last all year, and you just don't ever get a hundred percent. And you know. Professional sports, we always talk about it. You, you're a weekend. You're not 100% the rest of the year after a weekend. You're yeah, just not. Right. I mean, everybody gets beat up. Everybody is injured. But you got to be, you know, as high, uh, you know, playing as high as you, as you can, as best as you possibly can at a high level. And, yeah, he just – I feel like he – I feel like because they got off to such a bad start, he felt like he had to get back and fright the ship. 100%. And I think if they would if they wouldn't have got off to such a bad start, I think he would have been like, okay, we're okay, we're holding out, you know, we can just keep playing okay. And it, but it wasn't even that they were losing; they were looking bad and they were getting beat down. And I think that was part of it. You know, they weren't losing four three to Vegas. I mean, they were getting smoked by like average teams. So I think that was one of the things that you know was thing. Hopefully, he gets better. Hopefully, he gets healthy. But yeah, he does not look like the same Connor McDavid, you know, we've seen the last couple seasons who's been far and away the best player in the NHL. Let's jump to number 10 on our list. He's a teammate, sometimes line mate, Leon Dreisaitl. I know me and you have him in a bunch of leagues. Man, he has he's been doing some shady stuff lately toast. Uh, let me, let me, let me have it. Tell me what you think about what dry has been doing. Um, I love Leon dry Um, he's got the quickest one-time shot in the league, in my opinion. But after what I saw he did on Monday night versus Islanders against Bo Horvat, I've lost a lot of respect for the guy. Um, that may be the biggest Bush league cheap shot that I've ever seen out of a star player based on this truly frustration. So what happened was, is dry or uh, Horvat had his back turned to dry and dry instead of checking him in the back, like most players would have done to get some spacing, put him off balance a little bit so he can uh, go ahead and get some positioning. He went straight for the back of his legs, like the back of his knees. Um, it was a truly a frustration play. And I lost a lot of respect for the guy. Um, and the reason being is when game one of the season, and we talked about this, we're nine episodes in now on this, uh, this hockey podcast, nine episodes in. But I want to say the first or second episode we talked about specifically um, how frustrated Edmonton looked during their first game of the season versus Vancouver. I mean, a bunch of babies. Uh, they were taking him and McDavid knew they were getting outplayed. They were so ticked off the fact that 
oh my gosh, I got to play hard. I'm actually getting outplayed. Um, I'm not used to this. So I'm going to go ahead and take my ball. I'm going to go ahead and go home type of crap. That's exactly what they were doing in the game one. Took one stupid penalty after another. And when we say stupid penalties, just baby penalties. And the same thing was going on with Dreisaitl. Getting a little frustrated. Things aren't going in my way. We're not scoring seven or eight goals a game against people. And then he ends up doing you know, a cheap shot like Horvat against Horvat. I lost all respect for the player, especially a player of his stature as a superstar in this league. So being a Blackhawks fan, I watched superstars for nine seasons in a dynasty run. Guys like Kane, Taves, Keith, Seabrook, Hosa, and the list goes on and on. And as much as they may have been became frustrated in certain games, they would have never stooped to that level. All right. That told me right there with Edmonton, if their best superstar players and especially dry sidles doing crap like that, they're never going to win anything. They're never going to win anything because guess what? They don't know how to deal with adversity. They expect every single thing to go their way. Uh, I am not a big fan of Leon Drysaddle after this. Yeah, it's tough because I've been I've been a Leon guy too. I've liked him a ton. I've had him on a ton of teams. The, it feels like the just in Edmonton, the frustration is just boiling over. You know, th- this team has a ton of talent. They have two of the best players in the entire league, and they just are not living ex- up to expectation year after year after year. I mean, I don't know how many times me and you have talked about it. Hey, we're going to bet on Edmonton all year in the regular season. As soon as it gets to the playoffs, I'm taking the other team. Like, yeah, you know what, JT? It. Yeah, yeah, J- Sorry to cut you off, JT. I'm just no, I'm, no, no, I'm, pissed, I'm, I'm pissed off about this. If you are the best two players in the league, like people say you are, do something about it. All right? Mm-hmm. Do something about it. Elevate the play of, of people around you. <laughs> Win playoff series. Don't get frustrated. Well, hey, remember like Animal House? Remember they said, hey, we got an old saying at Delta. Don't get mad. Get even, right? That's what they should be doing. But yet they go ahead and start doing this baby crap. That ticks me off. Um, Edmonton, I'm convinced after watching what they've actually done in the last 15 games to start this season, and not so much McDavid, but even McDavid in the media, but Dreisaitl specifically, they're never going to win anything. Yeah, I, I, I'm out on them at this point. It's it's just tough. Like they they're they they got the talent. They got all these players. They just can't put it together. They feel like that team that every year, yeah, NBA, NFL, they scorch the you know the Nets. They're lighting it up with touchdowns all year, and then they just get and it comes down to big time. And they got to make plays, and everything doesn't go their way. They just don't know what to do. As soon as everything doesn't go their way and they don't just score at will, and they, you know, it's the team is like, you know, NBA, you're scoring 100, you know, 115, you. 120, 125 points a game. The second they get in the playoffs and you got to get, you got to win a 91, 90 game, they just can't do it because they're making bad fouls. They're doing stupid things because they're just frustrated because they're like, oh, this is not as easy as it used to be. And th- that's where Great I feel it. like I'm at with them. That's who they're going to be. They're going to team that's going to score points, but they don't have an, it feels like they don't have enough gumption that we got to settle down. The game's not going away. We got to play hard defense. We got to like buckle down and win a one, nothing game or a two, one game. 
they just they don't they can't do it. They just get frustrated. Yeah. They start doing stupid penalties. They get mad. They get angry that they're not scoring. It, it's it, it, it is frustrating to see that talent play that way. It, I mean, I would have I would have loved to see Leon come out and apologize and be like, my emotions got the best of me. That's a really that's a bush league play by me. I shouldn't have done that. He didn't. I mean, you're like I'm. I'm saying like I I lost some respect for him on that. It was anybody who hasn't seen the video. I mean, he literally you could see it. He it wasn't it was an intentional shot as you could take, you know, stick to the back of the leg as much as you could hitting a dude in the back of the knee. I mean, it was it was brutal. It was brutal. There was no reason for it. It was a complete frustration play, like you said, and that's where I feel like this team mentally just doesn't have it. Nope. They don't have it. They're, they're gonna they'll win their their seven five games they'll win their six three games but if it gets down to a, a nitty gritty battle two one three two this team is gonna fold I agree I agree all right we got our hate out there let's get on to our last one <laughs> let's talk some positive as we don't like to be negative we like to be positive as much as possible on this show number 11 on our list our last toast takes one timer and of course we leave the best for last. Connor Bedard, Chicago Blackhawks. Sweet, sweet Connor Bedard, as our buddy <laughs> likes to say in a pirate voice. He sends out every time he gets a goal, sends us that this meme with a pirate saying Bedard. Like a pirate. It's great. It cracks me up every freaking time. Give me your thoughts on Connor Bedard, Toast. Go. Yeah, shout out to our buddy Mike Soderlin. Uh, he loves it. Ended up using that gift, a uh, uh, gift of the uh, the pirate Bedard. But nevertheless, uh, Bedard is everything advertised. Um, over the last two games, um, six points, back to back two goal games. Um, he is the youngest Blackhawk ever to have this many goals through thirteen games. He's got nine. The next closest was seven, I believe, with. Uh, I think I think it was Bobby Hole. I think uh, Kane was somewhere near five. Um, he's setting records already. Um, but JT, the sick goals he's scoring, you can tell over the past three games, the confidence is building, the game's slowing down. He is starting to actually feel it, and he's starting to get his footing. Um, so a goal previous game, I want to talk about a little bit. He was on defense, deep in the uh, opponent's zone. It was just him and, and up three other players on the other team. He does a stick lift, steals the, the puck, and in one motion goes in a skinny little pocket, top shelf, between the goalie's pad shoulder and the top of the crossbar. There's maybe five guys in the league that can do that. Mind you, he's 18 years old. He just turned 18. And he did another one in the second period of that same game, the last game, where he was on a breakaway and he did not have an angle to shoot the puck at all. But if you look at Bedard, his eyes are always up. Even when he's making a pass, his eyes are always up. Very, very deceiving to the goalie. And he was actually able to get it on the right side and fit it into a small little window that, again, the majority of people actually can't make in the league. He's got five goals in his last six games. He's starting to click. There's a lot of players getting frustrated against him. 
So uh, Cernak, uh, the defenseman for Tampa Bay, took a big run at Bedard um, last game. That's got to stop. Um, you got guys like Foligno that came to his aid, end up getting a BS, uh, you know, the, the double minor penalty for something for sticking up for his teammate. And it should have been a penalty anyway. I mean, Bedard got destroyed on the boards, looked like a boarding penalty. They didn't end up calling it. But that's three or four games in a row where he's getting underneath the skin of other player, uh, other teams. And then they have big goons taking runs at him. And the Hawks will have to address that. And they're starting to address it a little bit. But I'm just telling you, Corey Perry, a raging jerk, all right, of a player. He's our jerk. He's on our team now. I love him. Like, you I gotta love do him. Something. He's our guy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's our guy. You got to do something about that, all right, because mm-hmm. this kid is going to continue to score. He's scoring right now every single game. He's starting to feel it. Uh, so, Bedard, uh, people are are you know fantasy managers were a little hesitant on actually taking him so early. I drafted him with the number one pick overall in our quote unquote. I guess it's kind of a semi dynasty league. We keep three where the draft round they're drafted in, but I believe he's going to be the next big thing. He's a generational talent. He's got nine goals in the first uh, um, thirteen games for the Hawks. Uh, he's getting better. All right. It's not like he lucked into some of those either. He's now starting to score the dirty goals. He can end up doing the highlight reels. We're not very good on the power play. The majority of those are on five on five. So watch out for Bedard. Uh, man, the guy is so much fun to watch. I, I mean, I give you the shout out. You made a trade in our home league to get the number one pick because you obviously were not the number one pick because you've never been. You're always in the playoffs. You're a consistent guy. You're get, you're consistently in playoffs in every league we're in, no matter if it's hockey, football, anything. But you made the trade because you had the confidence. You're like, I'm getting the number one pick. I'm going to. You could have maybe sat still where you were at and hope Bedard got to you. But I I appreciated the, the just – all out. Nope. I want to make sure I get him. I'm not taking a chance. I don't get him. You made the move, trade up for number one pick, got Bedard. We knew everybody knew he was gonna be a, a, a good player and possibly a special player. Man, the way he is playing this early in the season, 18 years old, is insane. One of the quickest shots I've ever seen. I mean, this guy, the puck touches his stick and it's gone. I mean, it's like, it's, you can't, you don't even see it. It's like, boom, touches, it's gone. He puts it up and he doesn't even have to hammer a one-timer. He has just got the fastest wrists and hands. It's insane. Like you said, some of the placements of some of these shots, most people wouldn't even attempt them. I mean, they wouldn't even attempt it because it's like, I mean, he's shooting into just, I mean, the absolute smallest space he's shooting in and he's making it work. And I tell you what, when we talk about making your teammates better, making your team better, it is so obvious. He makes everybody on this Blackhawks team better. You take Connor Bernard off this team, this team oh. is straight trash. I mean, they're terrible. This team is super competitive. They're in a ton of games. And Bedard is just lifting everybody. But we've seen, like you said, everybody's making a run at him now. Because, hey, these guys are professionals. Some of these guys have yeah. been in the league 15, 20 years. They don't like an 18-year-old kid coming in and just working them. It's frustrating for a professional. So these guys are going to go out. Black Ops, we got, you got to go old school. You got to get somebody to protect them. 
you got, you know, I know the league is trying to, you know, trying to get fights out, trying to get some of that yeah. aggressive stuff out. But hey, all the greats had a protector. All the greats had someone out there watching their back. And the Blackhawks better decide real quick who's that's going to be because teams are going to keep taking shots at him until they say, hey, you take shots for a guy, we're coming for you. And you're right. You you cannot let that. He's, he's done a good job of not, you know, you know, buying into it, getting upset, getting really pissed. Not he's at all. been chippy too, though. He's not a guy that's been looking back. Like he takes a shot and he's like, oh, oh, that guy took it. He, I mean, he's up and he's up in like, I'm good. I'm good. You're not going to take me out. So I, I've been really impressed with him. And like I said, I mean, man, Sky is the absolute limit for Bedard. He's been super fun to watch so far this year. He has made every Blackhawks game much watch TV. It, it's It's been unbelievable. Yeah, they, they play tomorrow night. Um, and here's what I'll say about Bedard is he has got a great balance of confidence and humility. I mean, great balance. Um, every single time he has an amazing game, the last two games, he's had two, four point, or he's had a, he's had two goals and he had a four point game, two games ago, a two goal game, the previous game. As soon as they ask him about that from an 18 year old, he's automatically deflecting and going to his teammates and how great they are and how it wasn't, you know, but again, but when he scores a goal too, He's talking trash to the crowd. You can tell, you know, so, so there's yep. a little bit of both. He gets it. And uh, it, a lot of times you end up having those guys that just are special and they're so unbelievably good at what they do, but they're not as good in the media. He's got everything. He's got everything you'd actually want. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's not going to be a problem getting free agents for two reasons to come to Chicago. One, because we have all the cap space in the world, but two, Everybody's going to be lining up to want to play with the guy. And uh, so great things to the Blackhawks fan coming forward. And I hate to make this a Blackhawks podcast. And I'll try not to, but nevertheless, I'm pretty excited. But it's been a lot of fun watching Bedard. All right, that's going to do it for our Toast Takes one-timers. We're going to get – we're down the last 10 minutes of the show here. We're going to jump into our final face-off, talk about some line combinations and kind of what you're seeing uh, currently here during the season. Let's start it off. We talked about them uh, last episode. Dallas Stars, top line, Robertson, Valveski, Hints. What are you seeing out of these guys? We knew they were getting ready to pop. We felt like th- th- they were right on the on the, the precipice. You know, they were right there. What, what have you been seeing about them the last uh, week or two? Uh, all these lines we're going to talk about um, are pretty similar. Is that they're built to actually score in bunches. And not only score in bunches, but score together. And we, we, we've seen spurts of consistent scoring out of Robertson, Pavelski, hence, but they haven't been doing this together. And so those, those teams that actually planned on having stacks of these players, like Pavelski, hence, hence Robertson, and so on. I got a stack of Pavelski and Ben. They may not end up playing together, but nevertheless, I got a stack um, on the same team. And it hasn't really worked out. You know, like guess guys like Sagan, Duchesne, and Wyatt Johnston, those guys have been the guys over the past week and a half to two weeks. They've been the ones scoring in bunches. So from a fantasy perspective, JT has been super frustrating to own Dallas players. But does Dallas actually care about fantasy? Absolutely not. You know why? This is great for Dallas. They're getting scoring from three lines and sometimes four 
getting great goaltending from Ottinger. This is a team that you and I actually talked about being a cup favorite. That has not changed for me. You talk about a a place where Patrick Kane could end up going and playing in a top six. This could be a team that he's going to end up going to. If they end up landing Kane and they are one of the eight teams that's rumored to get Kane, watch out for Dallas. They are already in my cup favorite at this point. But, man, them getting Sagan, Duchesne, and Johnson, big time scoring out of them, and their top lines kind of quiet, not scoring in bunches, amazing start for Dallas. Next group on the list, Buffalo Sabres. A little bit disappointing start out of them. Trying to pick it up. Top line, Skinner, Thompson, Tooth. Um, so, yeah, that's all right. Um, injuries. Injuries. Uh, Thompson had a slow start to the season. First five games of the season. I want to say he only had one goal. Uh, was very, very quiet. Then he actually started to come on. He was shooting a puck a ton. Now he just took a puck off the wrist last night, um, uh, or let's do the last night or two nights ago. But nevertheless, they were very, um, they were not optimistic. The team, they said right on the media after the game, he would miss significant time. Today, the death settles a little bit. They're saying it's not month to month; it's more week to week. But nevertheless, Thompson's going to miss some time. Tuck has been in and out of the lineup, and Skinner, he hasn't really produced. Um, so if you look at these guys' numbers, they're not awful. They're kind of close to point-per-game players. But with that type of talent and that type of stacked line on on, on line one, you expect these guys to go off. <laughs> Last year was their coming-out party. You, see, you, you thought, like, hey, they're just getting going. It hasn't really worked out that way. So people that actually drafted a lot of Buffalo Sabres in the draft, drafted them early, expected them to score in bunches. The scoring hasn't been bad, but it has not been what you actually expect. So even guys like Cousins and even guys like Darlene, they haven't been awful, but they haven't been real, real good. They haven't been that juggernaut as advertised you'd actually expect them to be. Yeah, those are two guys that I have on our home league team, uh, Darlene and Cousins, and I've just not got the production. They're they're two of the guys that are kind of cold on my team that I thought I was going to get a lot from. Slow start. Uh, got to stick with them, though. The talent is there. You got to figure this Sabres team is going to turn around at some point and kind of heat up. But yeah, those are two guys I have on our home league that just, man, they, they, you know, all the guys that are playing awesome on my team. Those are two guys that haven't lived up to expectations so far this season. Next group on our list, my boys, the Detroit Red Wings, top line, got off to a fantastic start. Super pumped for the beginning of the year. Uh, Deborah Grant. Larkin, Raymond, I love all three of these guys. But, man, slowed down of late, haven't they? From a fantasy perspective, they've slowed down and slowed down significantly. Uh, we, we knew they wouldn't keep up the pace they kept for the first seven to ten days of the season, the first seven to eight games of the season. I mean, it was ridiculous what they were doing. I mean, uh, man, you're like, gosh, is this going to be all yours? It's going to be amazing. Um, I, I think I even see on episode three or so, hey, this is a playoff team for sure. And I think they are. They're eight, five, and two. That's awesome. That's a great start, especially a team actually coming out of a, uh, um, of, of a rebuild. All right. But from a fantasy perspective, the swing they've taken from red hot hasn't been really to ice cold, but they're it's almost lukewarm. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's been up and down so far. 
So I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about maybe selling a high on Debrinket, selling a high on a Larkin. Keep a guy like a Raymond because, again, you're not going to get the value based on the fact that he's kind of third or fourth fiddle on that team. And really, you're not going to get the value you want from him. But those guys are, you know, well-established, marketable players. But, again, I'm not really sure the the sell-high opportunity is there like it was before. And I'm not saying you should go out and just sell these guys because they're underperforming. They're not. Over the course of an 82-game season, they're going to be just fine. But, man, you wonder if that opportunity to actually sell – extremely high on the bracket and Larkin's already passed. Um, but for an eight, five and two start from a hockey perspective, this team's off to a really, really good start. I expect them to have over 40 wins this season. I expect them to be in the playoffs. And if they don't have the, uh, the injuries, um, then I really, really expect them to actually do some damage. And Kane is other, again, rumored to be, in the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings sweepstakes, see, here's the deal. I think Patrick Kane could go to a team like the Red Wings. The reason being, they probably have the cap space to do it. They're not strapped as much. They've been coming out of a rebuild. He's been playing with a guy like DeBrinket for years. Loves actually playing with him. We're talking about him going to Toronto. Talk about him actually going to Colorado. Dallas, I don't really know how they'd be able to afford a guy like that. So I could actually, if he ended up in Detroit, I wouldn't be shocked. And Stevie Y actually making a making a pitch to Patrick Kane of all people. I can see that happening, JT. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, as a Red Wings fan, man, great start. I was pumped about the start of the season. I knew there was I knew they were gonna cool off. I knew it was gonna happen, but I'm I'm still happy about the start. Eight, five, and two. You know, it feels good again that when they're losing some of these games, like I'm super disappointed because I'm like, they should have won that one. Well, it's been quite a few years since we felt like, oh, they should have won that one in a lot of games. You know, it's just like, oh, just another loss. That's another loss. I feel like they really turned around. I, you know, it would be if Kane went there, it would be just another one of those a long list of longtime career Blackhawks that end up making a stamp with because it it just feels like the Red Wings (laughs) and the Blackhawks. They just they trade guys back. They whoever has like a long career with one of them. They end up finishing their career the other side, you know, saying Yeiserman like, uh, came Probert. into the Hawks, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, Probert, you know, go guys, all these guys for years and years, they've kind of right. gone back and forth with some guys like that. So that would be very interesting to see them. I would love to, I'd love to see Patrick Kane uh, on the Red Wings, but yeah, I, I'm staying with those guys. I think they're going to be good. Obviously, not the red heart hot start that they got to, but you know, you're gonna like we said, always say the ups and downs, ups and downs. But I'm gonna stick with those guys. Uh, as you as you said, you might might have just missed the high sell window on those guys. Last one for the night on our final our final face-off, Minnesota Wild. Top play top line, uh Zaccarello, uh Kaprizov, and Boldy. Yeah, so you got Zook, you got Kaprizov, and you got Boldy. They don't actually play on the same line, but nevertheless, these are the guys you expect to carry the team. And uh, Kaprizov, uh, point-per-game player so far, five. I think if I'm remembering right, five goals, 10 assists, 15 points through 15 games. All right, point-per-game player. That's not what we signed up for with him. It should have been flip-flop, 10 goals, five assists, or even 10 goals, 10 assists, 20 points through 15 games. That's the type of player he is. So it's been a little bit of a disappointment. I got shares of Kaprizov everywhere. Uh, so my my uh, team and the uh, home league is three and two. And I got guys like this that have good, good players and sometimes great players. 
that have underperformed slightly everywhere, the fact that I'm three and two, I feel great about it because none of my guys have actually went off yet. None of them at all. It has not helped the fact that Matt Boldy has been injured. And when he's been healthy, he's produced. Zuccarello is fairly, uh, you know, he's been fairly steady, you know, as, as a player here. But I'm waiting for these guys to explode and start to actually score in bunches. It hasn't happened yet. Marco Rossi is going to center that Kaprizov and Zuccarello top line. Boldy will be at Ericsson X. This team's got so much balance um, and so much, I guess, depth. Um, I'm wondering if them balancing the lines out and actually putting Rossi with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, Boldy with Ericsson S, that makes strike a nerve in this team, and they start to begin to score in bunches. Again, they haven't played bad. They haven't played great, though. You expect this, these guys with these players to actually be playing great. Um, one thing, JT, before we end this uh, this this uh, this episode, which has been an awesome episode, I, I love this first segment we've actually done um, of these uh, these one timers. Um, somebody told me on on Twitter to, or was saying on Twitter today that Patrick Kane. I again, I'm just going to mention Kane because again, I'm a Hawks fan or whatnot. Uh, that Kane was actually uh, could go to Toronto, and that's the most likely landing spot. And he would actually play on a third line. Let me just put this out for people. Let me just put this to bed. Patrick Kane is not playing on anybody's third line. Okay? He's not playing on a bottom six role. He will go to a place where he plays on a top six role. And likely a top line. And people are like, well, if he wants to win cups, he's going to do what's necessary. Kane likes winning. I mean, wrong. He's actually won three cups. Always been part of a winner. Kane is a student of the game. Hardly anybody works as hard as he does. The guy is always the first to practice, the last to leave. Working when he actually optional practices, he's always there. He is addicted to his statistics. All right? So he is not going to go play for a team on a third line where he's basically not even close to a point-per-game player. That's not what he's going to do. All right? So... Teams that actually think that he's going to be going to Toronto. Let's say he does go to Toronto. He ain't playing on a third line with Max Domi. All right, that's not going to happen. No. So, uh, so chill, everybody on 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 X. Yeah, exactly. Can't I, I land on a team where he's going to be in a top six. Period. I agree with you. He, I mean, he's got too much good good run left in him. He, he I, the guy's got three titles. He's he's not a guy that's forty chasing uh, his first. And maybe only championship. I mean, he's a guy who still thinks he can play and knows he can play. Knows he's yeah. still got skill. He's he's not going to just take a back seat to try to like ride the t- coattails to a championship. And again, and I hate to dog on Toronto, but if you think he's going to Toronto to play a third line because oh they're going to win a title, yeah, really? When where's the last time this team made a, a, a finals, made a made a conference finals? Yeah, again, so that that's not a like. Oh, I'll just go there and play third line because this team's going to win the cup. I I don't see that. I agree with you 100 on there. He is going to go to a team that he knows he's going to be in the mix, and he's got a chance to score, and he's got a chance to help them win. He's not he's not going to be a side piece. That's not Patrick Kane. He's going to be a centerpiece, and I I agree with you on that. He wants to be in the mix, and he's going to make uh, a team where he's making the team better, and he's out there you know, playing full minutes every night. He's not going to be 
just, oh, give me a couple minutes here and there. I'm going to try to ride my way to a title. I don't, he's not that type of player. He doesn't have that mentality at all. Like you said, I agree 100%. So we have come to the one hour mark just over that. So we're going to, uh, you know, take this episode down. Toast. I appreciate you. Thanks for being on. Great episode. Check him out on the X at Toast Clark. Again, we put out our Toast Takes bets uh, pretty much daily. Every once in a while, we get real busy and miss a day. But for the most part, he's got all kinds of Toast Takes out there. Check him out on there. You can also find him at JT Brew Stew, which is our homepage on the X for the Stew with JT Brew. You also can check out my stuff at JT Orange on the X. We appreciate it. If you get a chance, like, subscribe, comment on us on the YouTube page. Also, you can find us Spotify, wherever else you listen to podcasts. We always put these things out pretty much immediately or the next morning after the show. So if you guys didn't get the chance to listen to us live or want to go back and re-listen to it, uh, feel free to jump on there. Toast, I appreciate it. Thanks for another great episode. You've been listening to The Stew with JT Brew. You guys have a good one. Another week of hockey is always a good week. See you guys next time. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery. Yeah.